Hello, this is Pastor Sam Velez, and I'm so glad that you're joining us for our service. We hope you enjoy this message today, that it blesses your life and your families. We love you. If you have your Bibles, I want you to go to Matthew chapter 15. We're going to be in verses 16 through 20. Matthew 15, 16 through 20. Jesus is, is battling with some Pharisees. Because they're complaining about what the, what the disciples were doing. They weren't doing anything wrong. They were talking about washing hands. But he ends up saying this. He tells the disciples, because the disciples were confused with Jesus' response. And he says, don't you understand yet, Jesus asked? Anything you eat passes through the stomach and then goes into the sewer. But the words you speak come from the heart. That's what defiles you. From, for from the heart comes evil thoughts, murder, adultery, all sexual morality, theft, lying, and slander. These are what defile you. Eating with unwashed hands will never defile you. So Jesus is battling because the Pharisees are so concerned about washing hands that Jesus is like, you're missing the point. You are worrying about whether my disciples are washing hands, but your hearts are far from me. In other words, you are so consumed with religious duties that you never thought about, man, is my heart in the right place? And that goes for all of us. We can be so consumed with, did I do the right thing? Did, did I do the religious duties? Did we check it off the list that we forget? Is my heart even in the right place for God? Is my heart even in its proper place? Is God really number one in my life? And so he begins to use this analogy about what comes in and what comes out of somebody. And he's basically saying whatever comes out of someone started with whatever they let in. So whenever you talk to someone that is always negative, then something happened that they allowed a seed of negativity to stay planted in their heart so much that it, that's all they can talk about. That's all that comes out of their mouth. When someone is bitter about something and they've allowed a seed of bitterness to be so deep within their heart, that's all they talk about. That's all they react. Every decision they make, their attitude reflects what's already been in their heart. And my desire for you is that God would set you free from whatever you've allowed in your heart to stay planted in there. That God would uproot that and that you would be free from that in Jesus' name. Because your life is meant to be a life full of joy, of peace. Your life is not meant to be a life of stress and division and chaos and hostility all the time. That's not what your life was meant. God never created you to live that way. To always live angry all the time. Because of whether someone did something to you years ago or even a day ago. It doesn't matter. If we are not careful and we allow these seeds to take root in our hearts, it's going to come out. It's going to come out. 
And so Jesus begins to talk about the heart of man. And he says, the heart of man, what comes out of the heart of man? Murder, adultery, all these things come out of the heart of man. That is why when we do these prayers at the end, it is so that Jesus can come into my life and make me clean and make me whole so that I don't have to repeat what I used to do. And I can live the life that God has intended for my life. The way that God has designed me to live. I can live that way. It is very, church, I'm here to encourage you. It is very possible to live with a heart that is free. It is very possible to live a life that is free from what you used to deal with. Free from addiction, free from regret, free from shame. Whatever it is that maybe has been planted in you for so long, it is possible today to be free from that. And to live with the joy of the Lord. Not live depressed and anxious. To live with joy. To live at peace. To go to sleep at peace. Too many people live so stressed that they've become night owls. And it's not because, oh, I'm just a night owl. It's because you don't know how to shut off your mind. Because you keep going and going. And man, what if this would have happened? If I would have done this? And, and on all the, the what ifs keep circling, man, if we would have just done that, my life could have been like this. If we could have, if we would have made this decision in 2000, you know, you start and before you know it, it's 6 a.m. and you've never rested. My prayer is that God would set you free and that you could live at peace with God. And all that stuff would just leave. You could flush that today. You could flush it today. But you have to have, and this is how my message today. It's simply this. Can you put it up there for them? A heart, a set heart. If we're going to lay the foundation for the next couple of weeks, because we're going to talk about a lot of different things. We need to have a set heart. A heart that is set on being, on being alive and well and being surrendered to the Lord. A heart that is set in following God. A heart that is set that is deciding and is determined to not repeat what 2023 did, to not even repeat what you did in January, that God would set a different course for your life, a different direction, so that you don't have to go back to the cycle that you've been into for the last couple of years. God can break cycles just so you know. God can break generational curses, just so you know. You don't have to be like your grandpa, your father, whatever it is that you feel like, man, it's because in our family, this is what, how it's been. No, 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 you, it, it stops with you today. It breaks off with you today, in Jesus' name. If you have your Bibles, I want you to go to Psalms chapter 119. Verses 112 and 113. It is possible to have over 100 verses in one chapter. It says, it says this. Look what the psalmist writes. It says, my heart is set on keeping your decrees to the very end. I hate double-minded people, but I love your law. One more time, verse 12. The psalmist says, my heart is set on keeping your decrees to the very end. 
I hate double-minded people, but I love your law. When the psalmist is writing this, the psalmist is, trying to, is writing this to let people know that, hey, I am set, regardless of everything that's going around me, regardless of the wars and the battles that I've had to, I've had to face, I am set in my heart to follow your decrees to the very end. To the day that I take my last breath, I am, my heart is set on following you, Lord. My heart is set on obeying what you've already said in your word. So how do we have a set heart? If we're going to start this series, how can I live with a set heart? Number one is this. You need a surrendered life. You need a surrendered life. And a surrendered life has more to do with an ego than anything else. To surrender to God has more to do with your attitude and your pride than anything else. Because my ego can be my worst enemy. My ego can tell me I like the way things are. My ego can tell me I'm used to it. This is how I've been. I'm comfortable. And you can use the, that, that. There's this excuse that I hear people say all the time. It's like, oh, I'm, this is just me. I'm always like this. This is, how, this is how I am. You know how terrible you sound? Because when you talk like that, what you're saying is God can't change me. Because people use that excuse, I'm just a jerk because that's just how I am. Really? That's how God created you to be a jerk and we all have to accept it? Or is it possible that you can say, you know what? I can't be a jerk for the rest of my life. God created me to live at peace with everyone and to love my neighbor. I have to surrender that to God. I'm using jerk because there's other words I can't say on stage. But people use that all the time, and it's really more of a way to just, because what they're saying is, I don't want to change. I like the way I am. And even though you're calling out what's offensive, this is who I am. And that's, what, that's their excuse to keep it. But if I'm going to live a life, sur- a surrendered life, it's me checking my ego at the door and saying, God, this is what's going on inside me. I'm giving it, I'm I'm surrendering my life to you. I'm sacrificing what is comfortable to me so that you can do a bigger thing in my life. Church, God has a bigger plan than what's in front of you. There's a bigger picture than what you're looking at right now. There's something so much more than what you're feeling right now in the moment. But it requires a surrendered life. That's why the Bible says in Matthew chapter 16, verse 24. Can you put it up there real quick for them? Then Jesus said to his disciples, if any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way. That's your ego. Take up your cross and follow me. Jesus said, you want to follow me? And claim as a follower that you got to give up your own way. Take up your cross and follow me. You got to check your ego and take up that cross and follow me.
Church, you cannot serve what you're not willing to sacrifice. And this is what I mean. If you're father in this place, you cannot serve your family saying, I want to serve my family better by loving them. If you're not willing to sacrifice your anger. I want to be, I want to love my wife better. Then you cannot serve your wife with love if you're not willing to sacrifice the bitterness you have towards her. And vice versa. Wives to husband. You cannot serve what you're not willing to sacrifice. And there are things in your life that God is asking you to sacrifice. Sacrifice doesn't feel good all the time. Sacrificing doesn't feel good all the time. But it produces something so much more. Jesus didn't feel like dying on the cross, but it produced freedom for all of humanity. Because he loved us that much. There are things that I'm praying that the Holy Spirit even puts in you right now that you already know, I got to sacrifice this. I have, to, I have to surrender this to the Lord. Whatever that is. I want to serve my family in this area, but I have to sacrifice my alcoholic self then sacrifice your alcoholic self. Whatever it is that you want to serve better in, it's going to require you to sacrifice something from. Man, I want to, I just, if you're a mom in this place, I want to give better time to my boys or my girls. Awesome. Then sacrifice whatever you need to sacrifice to give them the time they deserve. And the list can go on and on and on, but something requires sacrifice. That's why, why do you think in the Lord's Prayer that everybody knows? If you grew up in Catholic, you said the Lord's Prayer all the time, but what does it say? What does it say at the end? That may your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. What did Jesus say in the Garden of Gethsemane? God, not my will, but your will be done. The same thing. You think about it? Not my will, God, but you. When Jesus, when Jesus was about to get brutally beat and murdered for me and you. And in that moment, he didn't feel like getting slashed 40 times in his back. He, didn't, he knew what, what was about to happen. Church, me and you sacrifice compared to Jesus is nothing. Sacrificing a certain thing, a, a certain per, a friend, a, a toxic relationship, that's nothing compared to someone that was sacrificing their life for me and you. But he said, Jesus, not my will, but your will be done. And that is what a surrender life is. A surrender life says, God, I choose your will over mine. Because my will chooses comfort, chooses my flesh. My will chooses what I like. And what feels good to me. But when it comes to your will, I'll, I'll, I'll surrender whatever it takes. It might, it might not feel good in the moment, God. But it's, it, pro, it will produce so much more for me. That my family, my co-workers will see a difference. Because the God that I serve is that good. He's a transformative God. Amen. And my life will be blessed. And my generations will be blessed because of the surrender that I do today. There are things that I'm constantly surrendering to the Lord. Why? It's not just about me. It's by my, for my daughter, Catalina. That she would be blessed and she would experience better things. And she will. 
She will. She will do more things than I will ever do in my own life. And I'm okay with that. But I'm willing to surrender it to the Lord. Second thing is this. It is a desire. You want a heart that is set and you, have, you need to have a desire, a desire to change. Once you've crossed the threshing hold of, okay, God, I'm going to give this to you. I'm going to surrender this to you. It makes the desire to change a lot more easier. It leads to you to have the desire to change. Can you go back to uh, Psalms 119? Don't put verse 12, put uh, verse 13 real quick. It says, I hate double-minded people, but I love your law. What he's saying, he's not saying like, I hate double, like, I hate you, you're double-minded. What he's saying is, I hate what double-mindedness does to people. A double-minded person is someone that is back and forth, wishy-washy all the time. I'm for this sometimes, and then I'm against it. I'm like this, but then I'm like that. And you never know where they really stand on anything. That's a double-minded person. James talks about this. A double-minded person. He says, I hate double-minded people, but I love your law. In other words, I hate what double-mindedness can do, but God, I love your law. I love your word. And this word hate, I know this word hate is such a, a negative word because we understand that it is. When we use the word hate, we're, 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 it produces a negative thing on other people. It really does. It does. Or when your kids are mad and they say, I hate you, even though they don't mean it, they say it. I hate you. And they try to slam the door and then they, you get spanked and it's just, whatever. It goes on. I'm scarred. Anyways, um. But there's also a side to hate that can really work. Because you can also hate something enough to do something about it. Like, for example, I love flour tortillas. Maiz, if I have to eat it, I'll eat it. If you serve it to me at your house, I guess I'll sacrifice because I love you. But I love flour tortillas. I can eat it every day as many times as I want. But I, don't, but I hate what it does to my waist. Flour tortillas con mantequilla. I mean, I can do it all. All right. I can do it all. Everyone's like, yeah, let's, how about we all stop right now and I'll go eat, you know. But I hate what it does to my waist. A couple of weeks ago, uh, my wife told me this ugly truth that I'm healing from. She said, you've gained a lot of weight. And it was like December. And I was like, how dare you? <laughs> and um, so she forced me to join this, like, I don't know how many weeks of a challenge at Orange Theory. It's like this challenge. I've been doing it, waking up super early in the morning, and I hate waking up early in the morning. If you ever see me at six or seven in the morning somewhere and you see me, I'm like, like, if I look mad, it's because I am. I don't feel like talking to anybody. 
But I started doing it because I realized, I was like, you know what, I have, like this coat, for example, used to fit me very tight, and now it's like, I can like wear it comfortably now. And then they told me, you should do the 415 class with Dano. And I was like, I don't know if I'm ready for that yet. That's where all the pros go. They tell me that all the pros, Dano, go at 415. But I don't know if I could do that. I don't want to embarrass myself. But my wife was like, hey, basically, I hate how you look and how you feel. We should do something about it. And I'm not just talking about losing weight. There are things in your life that you have to hate it enough to do something about. For example, if you hate poverty, you hate seeing poverty that goes throughout cities, or you hate watching children that don't have anything to eat, you can hate poverty enough to give to organizations or to give to our city to help the problem that we have. But you have to hate it enough to do something. You can say, man, I hate the way I treat this person so much that I can do something about it to treat them better. But a desire to change starts with what do you, what do you hate enough to do something about? And I can't answer that question for you. You have to know in yourself, man, I hate this about me. I hate this about what it does to other people. And you have to be willing to change it. Because if you say, God, I love you, then you have to hate sin enough to do something about it. God, I love you. I love what your word says. Then you have to hate whatever it is that keeps you from obeying it enough to do something about it. So the question I ask you this morning is, what do you hate enough to change? Don't tell me I hate my husband enough. I need, a I need a new husband. Can we do that, Pastor Sam? No, I'm not telling you to do that. He snores and I can't take it. I tried putting the pillow and I felt bad. You know, I can't do that. But you have to ask yourself, what do I hate enough to do something about? In, the, in a positive way, not, not in a negative way, because people can twist and turn this. But what do you hate enough to change? Maybe you're like the verse, I hate being double-minded. I'm always double-minded. I'm always back and forth. I'm always changing my mind. I'm always, you know, I don't know where I stand. And you're always back and forth, back and forth. Maybe, just maybe, that's something that you can give to the Lord and say, God, I have a desire. God, I don't want to be double-minded. That when I go into your presence, God, I don't want to be double-minded. I actually want to be sure, 100% sure, every single time I make a decision. 100% sure where I stand on certain issues. 100% sure. You don't have to be double-minded. You can hate it enough to do something about it, but it requires you to have a desire you have to have a desire to change that. We admire athletes and sports and movies and singers, but they all had a desire to do something about what they're doing right now. 
There's this girl from U. She plays for uh, University of Southern California. She's really good. Her name's Juju. She can ball. She really can. And there's a story that I was reading about her. They lost a game recently, and she stayed after the game to continue to shoot. And the security guard called the coach and said, "Hey, Juju's still here. It's super late. We, do I just kick her out already?" And the coach said, "No, leave her alone." She was so upset about that game that she stayed after to keep playing. The next game, she she does this record for USC. She goes, I think she scores over fifty-one points, and USC wins. But you see. What I love about Juju is that she hated the fact of the way she played and the way they lost to do something enough that produced another way, and she ends up winning the game and scoring that many points. She hated it enough to do something about it. My desire, my prayer is that every time you feel a loss in an area of your life, that you would hate it enough to say, "No, I lost in this." And I've lost in this part of my life way too many times that I want to do something about it. I failed at this way too many times that I I need to do something about it. And God can work with desire. God can do something with desire. He can't do anything with rejection. He can't do anything with you telling him no. But if you got a little bit of desire in you, God can produce something amazing. He can do something so much more. That's why the Bible says in, in Ephesians, he can do more than we could ever ask or think or imagine. That's what God can do for your life today. Amen? Last point is this. We're going to have a set heart. We need to be willing to let go. Willing to let go. What I mean is this. As humans, we have a tendency to cling on to things that we have been so used to holding on to. We have a tendency to hold on to things because it's been part of our identity for so long. It's just been a part of us. And many times... When you have the desire to change, it requires you to also let go. To live with an open hand. Many times, we hold on to it because it's been so a part of us that you're afraid, man, what if, what if I do let this go? What, what if this happens? Or what if I let this go? And what if it goes down from here? What if I let go of this person that's hurt me for so long? What's going to happen next? And, and what if becomes the very thing that keeps you from moving forward? There are things that people do and that have done. And sometimes you are so frustrated. And you want to hold on to that. But I'm here to let you know that God is saying to let it go. To release it to him. I would rather God... Handle it with his hands than mine. Because in my natural 
self, in my humanity, I want to fix things and do things in my way, the way I think and with my own hands. And I think it needs to be this way and that way. And before you know it, because I did it my way, I messed everything up. Instead of saying, God, I let it go. I give it to you. I'm tired of holding on to this. And there's people like this in the room. You are tired of holding on to things that God has asked you to let go year after year. Whether you're asleep or you're awake, whether you're at work or you're in your car, the Holy Spirit is here to let you know and he's telling you, let it go. Give it to me and I will do something beautiful with it. Sometimes it's people. Sometimes it's attitude. Sometimes it's things that you physically do that you keep holding on to. And God is saying, give it to me. Give it to me. Give me your son. Give me your daughter. Give me that toxic relationship. Give me the addiction. God, give me your pride. Whatever it is that's been part of your identity, God is asking you to give it to him. And he does the miracles. Church, when God does the miracles, we can praise him because, man, it's because of God's love and mercy that he did that. You try too much. You've been doing it for too many years. Give it to God. If you're a son or daughter, I'll give you my dad. i give you my mom. God, I give it to you. But God can do something with it. It is by the power of the Holy Spirit, church. It's not by the power of your name, your last name. It's not by the power of Pastor Salmon. It's by the power of the Holy Spirit that God does a great work in. That God does the miracles in. By the power of the Holy Spirit. That's all God wants. Some of you in this room, there are deep things that you can't, you've been clinging on and you're saying, Pastor, I've been holding on to this for too long. Give it to the Lord and say, God, may your will be done. God, you have your way. You have your way, God. Give it to the Lord. Some of you in this room, you've tried already. You've tried your way. You've done things with your own hands, with your own wisdom, with your own decisions. Give it to God. I promise you, there'll be less stress for yourself. I'm saying this because it was never easy for me personally to give things to God. I always wanted to do everything I can in my best abilities until the Lord convicted me and he told me are you God or am I and when the Lord corrected me I realized God I'm going to give everything to you when I'm dealing with something that I feel like is out of my hands God I give it to you I'm not going to stress and worry and fight and for what for what what does it produce 
in me living like that. I'd rather give it to God and be at peace. Hey, I gave it to God. God knows my life better than I do. God sees the big picture. I only see like this much of my life. God's the one that created me. He knows better for me. He knows better for you. He knows exactly what you need. And he loves you enough to do something about it. Hope you enjoyed part one of this series. As we lay the foundation to have a set heart. A set heart. My prayer is that you leave this place with a set heart. God, I'm setting my heart. I'm determining. I'm determining today. To surrender my life. I'm determining today to hate something enough to do something about. And I'm determining today to let it go. To let it go. Sounds easy to say, stand up on a mic and say, let it go. It sounds very easy. But I know that for some of you, it's not. That's why I want to pray with you. That God would give you by the Holy Spirit the power to let it go. The power to give it to God. The power to say, God, here it is. I don't know what's going to happen next. I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow or next year, but God, I give this to you. Your will be done. Thank you so much for joining our service and for listening to us. We are located at 45... 19 East Del Mar Boulevard in Laredo, Texas, and we hope that you continue to be a part of our ICM family.